is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode. That's right, of the London is Blue podcast coming to you. That's right, live. Well, sort of live from London, where we are right now. Dan, one of your hosts here. I am in the Airbnb that we are at in Clapham, which is in the Battersea area, just a little southwest of the, uh, the Battersea area. Anyway, Nick Verlaney here with me as well. Jake, producer Jake Perkins, editor-in-chief as well of the Lonsbook Podcast. You can't no. be just giving him raises all of a sudden. <laughs> kinda... Great titles. Yeah. No Brandon Busby. He is planning his wedding. It's a very, very important weekend for him. A huge milestone week for weekend him in his life. So we will see him for the FA Cup Finals Correct. next weekend. We're super excited about that. But this is a little bit of a different match review than we would typically do because we were there. We were at Stamford Bridge. We were taking in the sights and the sounds. There was a pre-match. There was a post-match. Post-match not as exciting as we wanted it to be. Not as happy as no. we might have wanted not it to be. Vibrant, it was still a good say. time. Yeah. It was a good time. So we are going to get into a couple of different things again. A little bit of a different match review than we typically do. We're going to go and talk about the sights, the sounds, the experience of a match day. Because again, it's our first time back in London in two and a half years. And we just had to soak it up. And boy, oh boy, London was ready for us. They roll out the red carpet, Nick. It was sunny. It was bright. The atmosphere was fantastic. And the match was terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's why we're going to start talking about the other stuff besides the match. I mean, it, I mean, really genuinely set up to be a top 10 day. Oh, yeah. I mean, the weather, fantastic while we were here. Just a sprinkle or two, but like... You know, if you've ever been to London before and you just get a sprinkle, it's a it's basically a sunny day. So, felt really good about that. Uh, felt really good about the crew we were with. Uh, shout outs to to Carson and Mary Kate who joined us for a fantastic brunch. It has mm. to be mm. said, Dishoom. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes. I mean, what mm. Dan? What more do you have to say than Dishoom? Mm. Well, there's a couple things you say about Dishoom. You say breakfast nonwich. Ah. Breakfast nonwich. Come on. Unlimited chai refills. Hello, it's a great thing to do. Um, unlimited porridge. <laughs> Come on. Producer Jake, coming with the hot Come takes. Come porridge. On. It was the best though. part of it. Thinking that this was an anti-porridge podcast, that's your mistake, <laughs> listener, okay? <laughs> Jake, it's so easy to get Jake. Well, look, Deshuma is phenomenal. The most important part, though, of match day, for those who don't know, there's ritualistic elements to it, right? Everybody oh, yeah. has their, their favorite pub. Everybody has their pre-match activities. Is there a place they go or yep. their areas that they go? Things that they have to do to get in the spirit and get in the attitude. And Nick, you know, we went made sure that we went to see uh, Marco as well, a good friend from Gate 17, Marco. Absolutely. Phenomenal writer as Imagine. well. Marco's written or or co-authored or sponsored, what thirty or forty Chelsea books at this point? Probably um, about 800. eight hundred. Eight to nine thousand, probably. Um, <laughs> just as long as we're making up numbers here. Uh, Marco's great. Uh, he's obviously a part of the fan cast, and you know the stall outside of of the bridge is a place where you can go get your fanzine. It, it's a place where you can go get any Chelsea book that you want. So. Every time we come to the bridge, we go see Marco, and it's a phenomenal experience because he's working. Like, this is what he does on match days. And so it's going to be really cool to get to see him outside of his normal working experience for the FA Cup final so he can actually enjoy it a bit. But, 
Yeah, I mean, look, if you know anything about Chelsea or supporters culture or, or the fan cast or anything, you know that Marco's a legend. And, uh, and look, Jake, it, it bringing you in. I would say even if you know anything about the London is Blue podcast, oh. you know that Marco is a legend. Not only uh, authored, co-authored a trillion books, has also <laughs> been on at least like 30 pods with us, at least. I would say, over the whole era of London is Blue. So quite the great experience to finally see him in his homeland for me. It was an absolute blast. And the only one of many people we got to meet. Uh, one final note about Marco is if, if you know the, the Castrol uh, Chelsea shirt, the, the red and green stripe down the yeah. middle of the white shirt, he was wearing that underneath a jean jacket yesterday. It was quite the fit. Stylish as ever, Marco. He definitely was in fine form. And look, we had a chance to sync up with Chad and some of our friends from the Twin City Blues. Look, Josh Winner, Brand- lovely guy. Mm-hmm. Brandon mm-hmm. couldn't make it. But you know what? People from Minneapolis yeah. were still there. They sent their back. She's up with Chelsea. Uh, had a chance to see Galen, one of our wonderful friends, and uh, his daughter getting a chance to take in her first Chelsea match. It was quite wonderful. And Nick, no trip for us yes. is no match day experience yeah. for us is complete without a trip to the cock. The cock tavern in Fulham is a holy land for me. It is wonderful. It has a tremendous garden in the back in which we will stand and imbibe in many beverages. We got there about an hour and a half earlier than we needed to, and that was the right call because mm-hmm. we got to just hang around and enjoy each other's company a little bit before it started to fill up. But yeah, I mean, the whole point of this experience on a match day is if you ever get to go, make your reservation at the cock, go in, enjoy a handful of beers, a handful being 20, a handful being 30, whatever you choose, and and just love on the people that are there. Yeah. It is absolutely fantastic. It's the best match day experience that you could, have, or you could ever offer, or ever offer, I should say. And it was Jake's first time there, so we didn't stay up till the very last minute on the shot clock like we could have. No, but we did see, I mean, we were only there for maybe a minute in ordering the first beer, and then sure. Nick recognizes us, another Nick, not Nick Verlaney. Not me. Nick recognizes the voice, says, hey, you're the London's Blue guys. Nick and his friend John, we get to enjoy some beers with them, talk about their international away days, get a chance to revel in Chelsea history, Chelsea lore get a chance to walk through just common shared experiences of supporting Chelsea. And, you know, you saw Rick Glanville there, Ollie Glanville there, uh, the father and son duo. <laughs> Got to meet the cousin Glanville as well. Terry Komatsu there. Uh, getting Terry. to enjoy his wonderful company too. And so many individuals that we had seen. Chidge. Or Chidge coming in as well. Uh, just it's, it's just experience. It's just been so long since we've seen these people. I mean, obviously we saw Terry last year. Terry Komatsu, who is by far the most beloved Chelsea fan in the whole world. Uh, is there a more recognizable Chelsea supporter? No. I don't know. No. Challenge me. I yeah. dare you. I dare you. Terry, Terry walks in and the whole place gets better. Terry and has my heart. We, <laughs> we, just, we just love seeing Terry, you know, but it had been the first time in two and a half years that I'd seen Chage or Silves or any of these guys that are just exactly the type of people that you want to see when you come to Chelsea, right? I mean, the guys who tell jokes, who tell stories, who make the experience better and more interesting. And 
you know, I think Jake, this is your first time meeting some of these guys that you've heard a hundred times on the pod at this point. Like, how, how did you find that whole experience being out in, in the Cock Tavern Garden? I think quite literally my favorite part of this whole trip has been hearing a voice welcoming other people and being like, oh, that's what they look like. <laughs> because I legitimately never see what any of these people look like. I mean, Clayton, I had no idea what Clayton looked like. Chidge, I'd seen like a picture of Chidge ever. And these are people I've listened to for three plus years, four plus years now for people who aren't aware of how long I've been around. So that was quite the experience. You know, you, you see somebody walk in, you go, all right, who is this going to be? And then they speak one word and you go, oh, that's so exciting. So I had an absolute blast and I could not have felt more welcomed, which I think was a very big part of it for me. I Everyone made me feel like I belonged and I had finally arrived. It was very, very sweet. And this was on the day and just... We didn't talk about this at the very, very beginning, yeah. but this was on the day that the announcement of Todd Bowley's consortium being announced as the new future owners of Chelsea Football Club. Look, the Americans were in town. The Americans brought a pen. The Americans made sure that Todd was able to get the deal done, Nick. And that was, yeah, that, we got a lot of conversation about that too. That was a, that was a topic of conversation with us. And oh, yeah. uh, even Chidge was uh, fair to point out that... <laughs> <laughs> and the Americans had come and uh, might be here to stay. We are here, yeah. Uh, it, it was it was interesting because you know we we anticipated this was going to get done for a few days, and then you know we got in on on Friday, all of us, and uh, you know nothing had happened. <laughs> we were like, huh, that's really weird. And then you know we all went to bed, uh, and some of us went to bed. Yeah, I was definitely awake, as the Discord knows. Yeah. So Jake was in the Discord. That was that was his choice as a person. Um, <laughs> but it was could not be Nick Ferlini's choice, yeah, as, as you know. Um, <laughs> thanks for calling me out. <laughs> um, but yeah, we I mean we wake up, we get ready. Uh, the the news had broke that the official announcement from the Chelsea website had come out and said, "Yep, we've elected to sell to these guys, and this is the process, and this is what it is." Uh, so. You know, it's an exciting day. I mean, I think I speak for everyone listening to this podcast in which we wanted this part of our chapter to be over. Um, you know, I think I think we're all tired. I think it's it's just been an exhausting end of the season for a thousand different reasons. Uh, we implore you to listen to the Chelsea Women's Podcast that's coming out on Tuesday as they actually plowed through adversity and did well um, and won the league uh, despite all this shit. But... Um, but yeah, it was, it was a, it was a weird time to make up. And so we all kind of talked about it on, on Saturday morning. We're like, what if we went to the bridge and recorded a fake action five news segment in which we talked about the sale and all that stuff. And, uh, and we released that on Twitter, uh, very shortly after, which look was a delight and ultimately very stupid and fun. So <laughs> What's there not to like? Some goofy assholes from time to time. That's us. Yeah, sure. Look, anyway, that was the preamble to the match. So we'll talk about the match now, and then we'll talk about the pre-match, uh, post-match afterwards, which was a lot of fun as well at the Atlas. Do we actually have to talk We about actually it? do. We are contractually obligated don't to the listenership to talk about the match. It was <laughs> Chelsea versus Wolverhampton Wanderers. It was a 2-2 draw. It was, it was unfortunate. This past Saturday on May the 7th. 
And look, we're not going to fist hand highlights because nobody wants to hear those highlights again. Yeah, I don't have to butt in this time to say it. Uh, He's going to say it live. He's going to say it live, folks. It was, yeah, it's, it's not just good. not It's not going to happen. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. All right, well, it was a Lukaku brace, 56-minute uh, pen, 58-minute goal, and then uh, Trincao with a 79th minute, and then Connor Cody with the 90th plus 7th minute uh, goal at the end. Uh, lineups, just real quick for Chelsea, Ebo Mendy between the sticks. Rudiger, Silva, Azpilicueta is your defenders. Midfield of Alonso, who maybe we will not see ever again. Uh, Mateo Kovacic, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and Reese James as your midfield combination. Forwards include Lukaku, Pulisic, and Werner. Unused subs, Kepari Balaga, Andres Christensen, Chalba, Reese Barkley, Mason Mount, Hakim Ziyech. Used subs of Saar, <laughs> Sal, and Kai Havertz. And then the Did you say stats. Reese Barkley? Did I just No, Ross Barkley. Did I hear a Reese Barkley? I don't know. We'll the listener, you tell me. <laughs> anyway, uh, Chelsea had 59% possession. We had six shots on target, 19 in total to the four shots on target and 14 shots in total that Wolves had. We had 20 tackles, there are 18, 16 clearances, there are 28, nine corners, there are three, two offsides, there are one, one yellow card to their three, and then seven fouls conceded to their 11. The, the fourteen shots on, or the fourteen shots in general for Wolves seems startling to me. Even though we were there, uh, four on target makes it make a lot more sense. But fourteen shots, wow! Yeah, they yeah. offered very little in this game. Yeah, not a lot. So that's that's a large number. Surprising. So I guess if we're going to talk about the game in general, Nick, would you say that it was a match of eighty minutes, the first <laughs> eighty that existed? And then the 10 plus 7 that existed at the end. Or how would you break it up? How would you break up the segments of this match? Yeah, I mean, I I think let's start by talking about the form of the teams that were playing. Um, Chelsea clearly been on a slide. Wolves have been on the beach for a month. And if you look at, you know, you look at when Wolves were good this year. It was when they were not conceding goals. They, they had played an immaculate defense for most of the season. And then basically the minute that they had, you know, the, the league, you know, mid-table secured, they were on the beach. And, you know, their coach had COVID for this match. So it was, you know, uh, not necessarily... I, I thought it was just going to be an easy match. And, you know, I, I mean, it, it is so clear that Chelsea does not really care to be there right now. They don't really want to perform in front of their new boss as Bully was in the stands that, yeah, I mean, it was an easy 80 minutes, but I I think the the larger story is that this team has time and time again switched off for periods of a match this year, and it has cost us. And it's, I mean, there, there has been no clearer example than what happened on Saturday, Dan. I mean, like, bossed the first 80 minutes. Mm. Boston, I mean, and even even though we only scored two goals, it was just not remotely close and sort of, when you think about the, the style of play, when you think about the passing accuracy, when you think about the, where Chelsea were living in Wolves' box the entire time, it was just a kind of a walk. It was, it was a casual experience as a fan. Like, it wasn't a hyped experience. It was a 3 p.m. on a, on a Saturday. It, it was... You know, I think the expectation from everyone once the first penalty went in, which was a Lukaku penalty, which he took expertly, mm. was that we were going to go to win this 2-3-4-0. And, and the team just did not close it out. 
Mm. There were interesting elements of the first half, which was a very, I'd say, dull, rather unfortunate affair. I mean, there was one or two very early chances that Chelsea could have capitalized on. Um, there was the foul that was never a foul. Uh, Timo Werner incident, which probably should have related into a goal. Um, there was the fact that heading into halftime and coming back out, Marcus Alonso gets replaced for Sal. As we've learned later, that potentially there was a little bit of a bust-up that preempted this, that has maybe caused some longer-standing issues for Chelsea. A decision was made. A decision was made, Jake. And that decision was to bring Sal in, who did, did a, I think, a fairly decent job. We yeah. saw Ruben finding a little bit of form, being able to kind of uh, run into uh, some open spaces that were made available to him. But in general... It felt like the type of match where Chelsea have gone late into the season, which you've done this now probably three, four seasons in a row, and just want to get the bare minimum done to then get to the next match or finish out or close out the season with the top four finish. And it's actually not asking a lot of Chelsea right now to do that in terms of the number of points required to secure that relative to their rivals. And who we're playing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about this. We've played in Manchester United, a team that Brighton just beat 4 0 yesterday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In embarrassing fashion. Embarrassing There's fashion. There's no luck involved. We've we played Arsenal and got embarrassed. You know, like we played Everton and lost. We only beat West Ham on a last minute Pulisic winner. Mm-hmm. We've taken five out of the last 15 points. And this team, 2-0 up in the 79th minute, couldn't close out a game. <laughs> they couldn't manage a game. They couldn't just pass around and fuck off for 10 minutes, you know, or 17 minutes, regardless of the extended extra time, right? Uh, it just, I don't know, man. It, it shows a lack of mentality. It shows a huge lack of give a fuck to me, uh, Jake. And I think it's a pretty embarrassing result when it's all said and done. Yeah, I think... I can't remember exactly who it was, but someone who we spent the day with or even <laughs> after with had said that it, it felt like the cracks were starting to show. And I think that that was a very ominous and maybe a little overreactive, but also scarily accurate assessment of how that last 15 minutes made me feel. Um, for a while now, like we've said time and time again, we've played very end of the season Chelsea. We've gotten lazy. Players are starting to get a little stressed out, a little tired, a little feisty with each other. And we're just seeing the little, little cracks of, okay, it's time to end this season and make some changes and move on from what is one of those years where we're not the most productive. We started fantastic. There's a lot of optimism. And when those lofty expectations you make at the beginning of the year start to slowly fade away and there's only the crumbs left, I think it's easy to get very frustrated. And I don't think that all of our externals have helped us in any way whatsoever. So it just felt like this byproduct of, blech, everyone is done with this. Let's move on. And it's felt like that for weeks. So it's, it's just even more frustrating when someone who's struggled a lot steps up and Lukaku and, and plays what we would expect from a, a prime Lukaku. I mean, played fantastic, aside from a couple moments where maybe he got frustrated, but 
uh, it's frustrating to see a, a, a fantastic performance from him and then everyone else who we've relied on for the rest of the year let us down. It's just, it's just frustration. I think we should talk about that, Nick, is that Lukaku, much maligned for a lot of this season, well, really showed up. By the way. Really showed up Very much. in front of Very much. Whistling Todd Bully yeah. and the understanding or whistling Todd whistling Todd and the introduction to a very harsh VAR system uh he got a chance to see the highs and lows of British football all in one match (laughs) he truly did yeah Lukaku though had a match that was reminiscent of the dream we were sold rather than the reality that we've witnessed yeah, I mean, I think credit to him. Like, b- believe me, I don't think he'll, he'll find a huge amount of friends on this show this season. But no. if if you're honest about the performance yesterday, I think you have to look at it and go, why have we not seen this more? Um, mm. You know, obviously, you know, he won the penalty. He put away the penalty. He got a fluke kind of open field pass and drove it in and, and hit it on you know, the, the first or second touch that he had, scored two goals in three minutes. And, you know, it it was reminiscent of some of the early, early, early season form that, mm-hmm. we, that we saw from him, which was a lot of bodying defenders. Mm-hmm. You know, in a normal Wolves team, that would have been a much harder task. But, I mean, this current Wolves team is not defensively as solid. And I think generally his movement... You know, which is what, you know, when you're in the stands, you can kind of see this maybe a little bit better than TV. Because TV follows the ball a lot more, right? But when you're in the stands, you can hone in on him and, and see what he's doing. He looked a little bit more active yesterday. He's and, running. Yeah, and, and I don't know. To me, Jake, like, my expectations were not high mm. uh, heading <laughs> into this. But, you know, it, it was nice to see, even even throughout a turbulent season, even with the amount of bullshit that we've been through with him this year, a lot of it self-inflicted, like I said earlier, that the fans responded positively to his performance. And, you know, it's only because of a mad last 15 minutes that that he wasn't the hero yesterday. Yeah, I think that was honestly one of the most underrated optimism moments of that whole match is the fact that that crowd, despite everything that has happened this year, despite all the shit you'll hear on social media, especially if you're on Twitter, which I avoid, like the plague, that talks so much shit about him, was was in love with him for the whole match. As soon as that first goal went in, even before that, with some chances, the crowd was chanting his name. People were incredibly excited to see him playing like he should be playing. And that was uplifting, and it was, it was really exciting. And definitely hearing the Lukaku chants all around the bridge after the second goal was like, oh, shit, like... There is still opportunity here for him if he can get his life together a little bit. And personally, as someone who who grew up in kind of the early 2010s era of Chelsea as a teenager, uh, Lukaku, one of my first... You're so young. God damn you. God damn you, Jake. On the scale of how old is he relative to Chelsea? He is much younger. On the younger side, yeah. I exposed myself. <laughs> I, uh, but I, I was just going to say Lukaku is like one of the first people who I watched come up through the club system and truly believed in and truly wanted to see succeed at this club. And I've always wished that things worked better. 
I thought this year would be it, but it did not quite work out that way. So to see him do well in, in my first game at the bridge was, was a very happy moment for me because he is someone I definitely do care about. And it was nice, even if it's probably not long lived. Yeah, it's it's interesting too, Dan, because like there there weren't a ton of subs in this game. Some of them are forced, right? I mean, you have Conte and Jorginho that are out. It appears for a minute. Um, you know, the defense is kind of in a weird spot with injuries and players who played a bunch of matches. But up top, we have a bunch of options, right? And so we've seen nothing but Kai Mason and Timo for the last mm. month, basically, as as our starting trio but in this match Tuchel brought in Lukaku and Pulisic and you know to complement what what Timo had been doing from a work rate standpoint you know they looked they looked relatively cohesive as a front three and and I would even add if you if you check Ruben's performance as mainly an offensive output which I I think is a fair point yeah you kind of got a pretty solid front four up there um from a passing standpoint and it just seemed to work okay. And again, this is not a vintage Wolves team. This is not the Wolves team that we played back in the fall or winter. They're just, they're not in it right now. But um, I think our front three played relatively well as a unit, despite having some changes. Yeah, you saw a good movement from three of them. Maybe you would have wanted one or two of them to be a little more involved during periods of the match, particularly in the first half. But they were able to click in, in the second half and... You saw the production for the goals. You saw some of the movement. You saw Saw from Wolves, who was able to keep out a couple of really good chances as well. And so you would expect that every keeper, just clockwork-wise, is able to provide one of their best matches of the season versus Chelsea. is a long-standing commitment to ensuring the most difficult result for us. It's in the prophecy. Yeah, the prophecy has to be fulfilled. But anyway, we're going to take a real quick break. And when we jump back in, we're going to talk about 10 plus 7 minutes of madness that really changed the match and then changed how excited or how jubilant we were during the post-match antics. But we will be right back after these messages from our sponsors. All right, our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because, well... It's hard to get a lot of micronutrients in, you know, we're all focused on our macros with protein, carbs, and, and fat. And now we gotta add the micronutrients from fruits and vegetables. It's just hard to eat that many servings a day. So uh, I started doing it just to make my life a lot more efficient. I'm getting better gut health and a more uh, durable resistant immune system. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health your nervous system your immune system your energy recovery focus and aging all of the things again i do it it's easy it's fast it's quick uh i throw up my shaker usually on my way home from work drink it 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 goes down quickly uh and like i said you get six servings of vegetables a day very easily uh but hey don't listen to me athletic greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews it's recommended by professional athletes and is trusted by leading health experts such as tim Ferriss and michael gervais so right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition it's just one scoop and a cup of water every day that's it no need for a million different pills supplements to look out for your gut health 
To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to say, give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, so we're back after those messages, and this is the part we've been avoiding. We've gotten probably to the half-hour mark at this mm. point, and we've been able to make it now to the point where fortunes changed. And I think, Nick, as the game continued to go on, as the subs beyond LaSalle you know, coming in for Alonzo, you started to see a little bit of the cracks appearing, a little bit of the mental fragility of the team start to slowly creep in to the performance. And then there was a goal in the 79th minute. And that really started to change just where this team was at, how they were adjusting to it. And there was not like an immediate sub. There was not like an immediate reaction. But knowing that this three points, if you secured it, you probably locked up a top four spot. Not officially, but three points for that game versus one basically meant that either Arsenal or Spurs would have to do a perfect end to their season. Both of them, essentially, would have to do a perfect end to their season. We'd have to lose the remainder of our games. It's not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, it's very much not. I, 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 this is the part that I'm embarrassed about as a fan being in that stadium yesterday. And I know that I'm not the only one who feels this way. Um, if you think about the best traits of the Tuchel team from last year, it was their ability to mentally cope with the situations that they were in. Regardless of if they were the best team on the pitch at that point or not, they were able to manage situations and oftentimes manage games uh, in a way that made sense for their level, right? If you think about the end of this, the Champions League against City, right? City were on top the last 20 minutes of that game. Chelsea had to manage that game effectively. City were giving them everything they had and, and near, very nearly scored uh, with Amara's goal at the end, right? But Chelsea had managed that game effectively. You saw every player on the field understanding their assignment, understanding where to push City players, understanding how to cope with the pressure. And the team this year, from October on, has rarely done that. And there's been no better example of that than what just fucking happened. Yeah. Wolves have zero goal scores on their team. Zero. They've been shit all year at scoring goals. Their defense has carried them to mid-table. There's just no doubt about that. If you watch this team go. Pedro Neto comes off the field. He's by far the most dynamic attacker. And they score two goals because Chelsea panicked. They fucking panicked at the end. They could not get the ball out of their own half. And when they did... It was just recycled back into their own half. And Wolves found this energy out of nowhere because they smelled blood in the fucking water that every other team against Chelsea recently has smelled, which is these guys aren't fucking confident. They don't know how to close this game. They're going to panic. They're going to make a mistake. And when other teams start believing that about you, Dan, that's when that's when you're fucked. I, like, it, again, this this game might not be the end of the world. Chelsea made sure get top four here pretty quick. And God, let's fucking hope that's true. But... Super versus Leeds. That'd be great. 
I'm embarrassed, man. And, and I think these players should be embarrassed. You know, it's a really challenging piece to try to dissect. I think there's a reliance on players by Tuchel who, frankly, have let him down. Right? You can only, you know, look, Wolves had an XG of, of one, just over one. Right? Yet you conceded two, which would tell you that that is not necessarily entirely due to the fault of the system, but down to some of the execution. So has Tuchel been let down by some of the players? Sure. Yeah. I would say that's 100% a fair statement. Has Tuchel let himself down with some of the substitutions? I would also say yes. You know, bringing in Saar over someone like Chalaba, that's a real head-scratcher to me. When Chalaba has a, I would say, just a legitimate future possibility at Chelsea, and Saar would, I just imagine, and just trying to kind of piece together like what happens in our Keeps Alone episodes. Again, we don't write the future at Chelsea. That's someone else's job, but I would just imagine that Saar would be alone or, or sell when we think about what happens next year, and Trev would be a, a keep in terms of who you would be investing in for next season. And yes, Chelsea have played the second most matches, number of matches this season in Europe. in Europe. Liverpool is the only team that has played more or will play more over the course of the season. So I get that. I get that the Chelsea squad is deceptively not as deep as people would lead them to believe. Yet there is a failing on individual performances. There's a failing on in you know on the execution as a whole. And there's a right now, unfortunately, in some of these matches, a failure by Tuchel to maybe make a couple of those right decisions to put us in the best end outcome. I do think that at the end of the day, we will reach the end of the season at, after Watford. We'll look back on it. Chelsea will finish top four, and it will have been unnecessarily difficult. It will have been something that has basically been forced over the line. We should be guaranteed top four right now. We should have already closed it out. Yeah. You think about our end of season run. The last time we played Liverpool or City was February. Yeah. I mean, seriously. Arsenal, not in a great amount of form right now. United, bottom, I think bottom third of the league in form right now, right? Yeah. Everton, clearly struggling. We're going to go play a fucking beat-up Leeds team on Wednesday. We're going to be there for that. God knows what will happen, right? And then you get hapless Watford to close out the year. If you don't get six points from those two matches, I can't fucking help you, man. I like you couldn't. I couldn't give you Chelsea Football Club two easier matches unless you played Norwich fucking twice. I, I mean, it, it. Like again, I look at this team and I go, "Can you just give a fuck for one more match? Can you get us three more points?" And then you know, if you want to choose to show up against Liverpool in the final, that'd be great too. But like. All I really need from you is to get Champions League. I'll, really, for the future of the club, for the for how Bully spends his money in the summer, like if you think about the implications of not making top four right now, because you Nasty. pissed away matches against fucking Everton and Wolves. I mean, guys, like I don't know, like that to me is just insufferable, uh, and it, it really, really hurt that they couldn't at least pretend to care on Saturday. A yeah. lot of them. It doesn't help that this isn't a familiar territory for us at this point. Um, I mean, if you think back to last year, we literally, year. we sat back and watched and prayed for a Tottenham victory 
so that we could play Champions League. If we weren't going to win the Champions League, we did, by the way. I don't know if you guys remember. Really we that, did yeah, win the Champions League. But watching that Tottenham game almost gave me a goddamn stroke last year. And now I'm sitting here preparing for it to happen all over again. And that's horrifying and frustrating. And I, I, it just makes it all worse. I'm very tired of this system. But yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more on a lot of the sentiments. I, I think the Chalaba is our biggest head scratcher. I think everyone we've spoken to has wondered what's going on there. There's conspiracy theories. There's questions. Let's there's, get into those. I mean, it's, 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 it's just, it's a mess. And it, it's, it's, Another point of frustration. I think something he, has to he give plays there. for the U23s today. Yes. Right, again, we are recording this on the Sunday yes. after the match. U23s, thankfully, thankfully, have thankfully. stayed up and yes. avoid a relegation in PL2. And Big Sunday for Chelsea Football Club. Huge Sunday it's for just, Chelsea It's Football. an odd thing there because all that tells us is that Chalaba's healthy. He's able to play a game. He's able to play in a match. So yeah. we just, it's just, it's something that needs to be addressed in some way because it's not creating any good um i hope he plays in the match that we are at at the midweek at leeds um because i i would love to see him get a chance and i while i do not think thomas tuchel should be blamed for his decisions made over the weekend because anybody on this squad should be able to defend against that team i will say that i think trevor chalaba trev trevo chalaba would have had a lot more comfort in our back line would have been a little more eager to put a foot in at the end of the match, and I think would have seen that game out. You know, one of the other ones that I thought was interesting too, Nick, the thing about the space that we were generally getting given, I actually was surprised that we didn't see Ziyech come on. Agreed. Yes, match. yeah. Yeah, potentially, you know, either for, for Werner or Pulisic at some point, just to give our front line a different look. We were getting an opportunity with spaces. We, they were clearly giving us the ball, and he's been one of the few players from an attacking standpoint who's been able to sit back in a little bit of his space, do something to unlock it. And again, just a, a weird decision on some of the subs, bring Kai at the end, which really didn't have maybe the end output that you were looking for as well. Mm-hmm. But all those could have been earlier subs too. To Again, you have a side that is not fresh right now. You have a side where you're looking to rotate players in to give them a little bit of opportunity to rest. Getting some of those starters off because they may start again against Leeds in midweek, may start again in the cup final. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. And, you know, look, Timo Werner didn't have a banner day out. No. So... If he had his chances, but... If, if, you know, yeah, I mean, unfairly was ruled... Well, he uh, should have had a goal. Yeah, yes. unfairly ruled that, that he fouled, the, you know, whichever Wolves defender... In route to scoring the first goal of the match, so you know, so maybe maybe give him a, a point five for that, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, he also had the most hilarious moment of the match, uh, in which I looked at Dan and said, "I blame you for this." Timo Werner one on one with the goalkeeper from an admittedly difficult angle slices one out for a throw in behind where he started the ball. Uh, it was is an all timer, but it just wasn't. It wasn't a friendly day for him. No, in terms of the luck situation. No, it, it wasn't. But but yeah, I mean, then to Dan, to your point, like, why is Tuchel not bringing on Ziyech, a yeah. player who I think would have thrived in that environment yesterday, mm-hmm. would have probably had more time and space on the ball than he's used to in the Premier League, mm-hmm. and you know, I think has shown the ability to link up with Lukaku. You know, which is a, a key point for you know Lukaku played ninety minutes of the ninety seven yesterday. I mean, yeah. 
Kai only came on for the last, for, for the added time, right? For the most part. So yeah, it's, it's a puzzle. I mean, the, the Trev thing, the, the Ziesh thing is a puzzle, especially after how much Timo's played uh, over the last month. Yeah. You know, he didn't look necessarily super fresh. So, you know, what are we, what are we trying to prove here? I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I just want to add to while we talk about Ziesh, it, it, the space in this match was a really big part of it. And I think maybe something that we weren't quite used to in recent time, we've had a lot of press on us. And even in games where we haven't had a lot of press, it hasn't really been open pitch. It's been a lot of tight play. And I mean, it's it's what made Ruben Loftus-Cheek look great to me. I know we we personally have talked about this a lot, the three of us. Um, I think Ruben had a fantastic game, but it's a lot of that, almost 90% of that is down to the fact that they let him have a fantastic game. Uh, he spent the whole match turning, receiving the ball, turning, finding the man, making great passes. I mean, Nick and I were noticing that he hadn't missed a pass until probably what, 42 minutes in, and then maybe missed one in the second half. He had a, had a fantastic game, so it's it's jarring to think what Ziyech could have done in a similar kind of space. And like you said, getting a ball to Lukaku, even taking a shot, things like that, things that a lot of our guys had chances for, I think he could have excelled for sure. It's very confusing why he wasn't featured. Yes. It's also tough, too, when you look at the composition of the squad we have right now. And, like, it's, it's going to be easy to dig in and get frustrated by this. But I want to kind of talk about, like, the end experience of the day as well, which was uplifting, even if we weren't <laughs> celebrating uh, three points over Pines, we're at least celebrating the fact that we were back in London and back with friends. But you also look at this Chelsea side, and you just go down the list of who started today. Antonio Rudiger, off to Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. Azpilicueta. Rumored to be going to Barcelona. Marcus Alonso, rumored to be a top Barcelona target. You have Christian Pulisic, whose dad is tweeting about what's going to happen in the summer. You have Timo Werner, who's been linked elsewhere now multiple times. You essentially have a starting 11 right now when you take out the fact that Jorginho is starting but has been linked elsewhere. You have Ngolo Conte out injured and unavailable. That was filled with players who maybe maybe want to make sure they're they're healthy enough for the next day yeah i mean this is where Tudel's in an impossible situation i have a lot of i have a lot of grace for him is a lot of these contract situations are not of his making the end they potentially would have been resolved if not for the club sales situation. Yeah, and, and like, knowing Chelsea, maybe they wouldn't have been, right? I mean, <laughs> right. Yeah, maybe we'd be happy with over a million pounds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who, who knows? But, like, th- this is where, you know, despite some of the on-field decisions, which I think he should be rightly criticized for yesterday, the fact that he doesn't have a squad of maybe totally committed players right now because of, you know, and look, let's be fair to these players. This has been an extraordinarily difficult year, okay? So, like, I can't blame them. So, if, like, if you're Antonio Rudiger listening to this podcast right now, I don't blame you for looking at other options. Like, I really don't. But it's where, if I'm Tuchel, I have to really wonder who's in it to win it, right? Who, who is, who's trying to become a, you know, part of Chelsea lore? Who is it? And, you know, I... I, I praise anyone who wants to give full effort these last two matches. If I were Tuchel, I'd try and compile a squad, as absurd as this sounds, 
of just players who will be here next year. Yep. And you're committed to Lennon. I, I, I think you have to, Jake, because like otherwise, I would hate for this season to end, for these last handful of matches to go, if you not to know, was he in for that challenge or wasn't he? You I, know? I have a very unpopular opinion that at this point in the year, a lot of people will say, oh, you should get your experienced players. And I do not disagree. I think having people like Aspie, having people like Mason out there, having people like Reese is insurmountably important. But I also think this is the time of the year where you bring up the youth. You bring up people who have had potential throughout the year or who have maybe been injured and like come back and had to play back down a little bit. Let those guys who need the opportunity to prove what they can do go out and throw their life on the line. Because those are the people who will throw their body in front of anything. Those are the people who will get a chance in the offseason when they're playing a B-team Arsenal squad. But they they want this. They want this. There's a lot of people, like you just said, who who may not need it, who may need health. Those guys do not care. They will throw their life on the line. And I, I, I know it's a very, like, it's not an imaginable wish. A lot of managers will never do that. But if I'm in that position, that's what I'm doing, is, is finding the youth kid who wants this dream opportunity. Harvey Vale, Lewis Hall, mm-hmm. any of these guys you think could remotely give you a contribution from now until the end of the season? I mean, why not? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, really, like... If we're going to play like that, there's no reason. Exactly. You've seen the results the last seven matches, yeah. last eight matches, last ten matches, right? The Real Madrid game was a huge blip on the radar. This wasn't the standard. Players like that norm. do not care who we're playing well, is the other thing. And it was a hangover. We talked about this, and let's transition to the post-match that we've had. Look, there was no official fan of the match poll. It was Lukaku. Lukaku, the best game at any sure. pitch. Yep. Um, there were other matches. We're not going to talk about those. We're going to talk about the fact that we, after the match, we stroll out of Sanford Bridge, head down to the Atlas, another we got, phenomenal. We got a bunch of stick from Wolves fans on the way, it should uh, be said. We yeah. did. 2-0 and, and, and you look, fucked it up. Look, fair play. You, you deserve fair. the opportunity, right? You take the licks when you lose, and yep. you take the licks when you don't win. It's, it's fair, but also they're celebrating a draw, so like that's pretty funny. Like they won the league. Yeah. Look, again, sometimes playing against Chelsea is your, your, your equivalent <laughs> of the Super Bowl. Uh, for our American listeners, and uh, Wolves treated it like that, so good for them. Uh, anyway, make it to the Atlas, get some Heinz there, run into a bunch more of our wonderful friends. Uh, one of the members of the Porto Five, our good friend Andrew, was there. Get yep. a chance to enjoy a little bit of uh, revelry with him as well. Uh, many others. So, <laughs> I mean, Nick, we ran into like everybody. Yeah, it was a big day out. I mean, when I tell you that I probably had 15 beers... Across, 15 or 50? <laughs> whichever you prefer. <laughs> uh, I was I was pretty zonked by the end of the day, but um, I will say the the Atlas, the cock pre match, the Atlas post match is the perfect match day. Yeah. Right. Like obviously better when you win two 0 and you've cruised to beat Wolves as you should have, but I, I would say like it, Martin Wickham at the Atlas and the cock. Right. You, you had Andrew McDougall. Uh, you had uh, Galen making it out for both rounds. You had Chidge. You had Dan Silves. You had anyone under the sun, uh, you know, who who were our, our friends and mates. And 
you know, I, again, I just, I love that pub so much. Beautiful beer garden, great vibes happening, even though we were all pissed the fuck off. And yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it, that those two places hold a special place in my heart personally, because I've had such good and bad times there, Yeah, <laughs> you know? And I, I think, you know, once you've, once you've been to the the Atlas after we lose to Spurs at home for the first time in 28 years and get absolutely obliterated with Chidge where he buys you 14 Sambuca shots to numb <laughs> the pain, you, there's nothing that can that can be worse than that, Jake. So uh, it was, uh, I don't know, it was a pleasurable experience for the situation that we were in. Yeah, no, I, I don't think we could have asked for much better company after said situation. Um and I, I, I don't think I could have asked for much better company for my first post game. That was kind of hard to say. I'm not sure why, but it was fantastic. I think we definitely all um, lost a little energy as well from 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 the match. We went from about a, a, a nine out of ten on hype to about a nine out of ten on the sleepy scale. So it was a little less active, but sure. still very comforting. And very relieving. I know for Nick Verlaney, especially, who was quite frustrated, seemed to be in a much better spirit after our, our, our pleasant post-match pub. I, I put on a I put on a good face for for people, <laughs> uh, and they they appreciated that. Also, uh, Dan Silves was with us uh, pre and post too. We didn't get a chance to call him out earlier. Uh, a new friend, uh, Ollie, who uh, was a. Uh, friend of a former college colleague of mine who listens to the podcast and connected with us in the Atlas as well. Just again, incredible. How small Chelsea is as a fandom, as a following, you never really realize it until you're there for a match on the given day and the amount of people you see running into people, the friendships that are centered around Chelsea, the experience, the connection that it generates beyond the football. The match was really not the best match that I would say any of us have had a chance to see, whether in person or streaming in some capacity. But the day out is always bar none the best part of the experience. Yeah, I mean I mean she just said this many times. Not you know, ninety minutes of football uh can ruin a great day out. Uh, except it didn't for us. We still had a great day out and you know, we went out with with Silves after to watch the uh, watch the Liverpool Spurs game, which was a, a boring nil nil draw that almost made me sleep at the table. Um, but yeah, it was look. Despite the result, God, I miss this fucking place, man. I, I really have, and it's been so great to you know even three days into our trip, it, it's been incredible. To see people that, you know, in the middle of COVID, when you didn't know what was going to happen, you weren't sure if you are going to see them again in person. And it was so heartening to see everyone. It was so uh, pleasurable to buy beers for people that I've wanted to buy beers for for so long and, you know, just be a part of the community for a little bit. So I, I just, if you're able to make it over at some point, if you're listening to this and you're like, God, I really need to make it over for a Chelsea match. We're happy to like give you the tips and tricks, but just come over and just be open to the experience. I think the other thing too is that this is still a match that we went to where it was season ticket holders, mm -hmm. it was people hospitality tickets, yeah. it was away ticket match holders for Wolves, and there were empty seats in Sanford Bridge, and that is not a common sight mm -hmm. 
when it's a permanent league match and when it's fully available. And you're going to go through two more matches this season. Uh, or sorry, one, one more this season where Chelsea versus Watford. Um, and you've, you're not going to have the full outing of, of Chelsea supporters. And that's a really unfortunate thing as it relates to you know this community that has had to you know unsuffer you know suffer a little bit for kind of the kind of outside circumstances as they are and so it will be nice projecting thoughts forward in the next season when people are going to be able to be back again when Sanford Bridge is going to be full and getting a chance to to have that experience and have that moment but I think we've covered off on this match we want to leave you with that that was our way of talking through a Wolves match review in a way that we really didn't talk about the football that much because you know what that wasn't the most important thing at least for us on the day and we hope that you enjoyed this conversation with us we hope that we had a chance to hopefully take you through some of the frustration anyway Chelsea are back again midweek they will be playing Leeds. We will be there. We'll be doing something similar. We will be there. We'll be disguised. <laughs> we will be disguised. We will be uh, wearing uh, non-Chelsea colors and telling people we are very excited to see Jesse Marsh's Leeds. We will be there unless you are a Leeds fan listening to this, in which case we will not be we'll there. We'll be in this flat that we're recording this from. <laughs> uh, Leeds also uh, on the cusp as we record this, of potentially being relegated, which if you want to talk about a Chelsea-Leeds rivalry that could only get a little spicier if Chelsea were to relegate and send down this Leeds side, that would definitely do it. If we relegate Leeds, we really won't be there. (laughs) We promise we are not in Leeds if you are listening to this episode (laughs) at that point in time. But anyway, that is going to wrap us up for that episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for allowing us to do something a little bit different with you, our listeners. We've got a ton of podcasts coming out this week. We recorded a special three-time champions special with the women's. Was it special, Ben? It was very, very special. I just thought that I really accentuated It is. It's a great episode. It was a special experience. We recorded it live in a pub. Yes. How fucking great was that? And it still sounds good, Clayton Beerman, Jesse, the three of us. Having a wonderful conversation, enjoying the match at King's Meadow together, talking about that. We're going to have a Leeds match review midweek. We're going to have plenty of stuff probably coming up before that as well as we march towards a FA Cup double weekend. So stay tuned to London's Blue Podcast for the remainder of the week. Got tons of great stuff coming for you. We really appreciate all the support, all the love. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Avoid, avoid missing top four.